When it comes to the big game, every second counts, especially if you're missing a moment of the action to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores, compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, and then get them delivered in under 60 minutes or scheduled up to two weeks in advance. Talk about a home run or inside the park grand slam with a whole lot less work on your part. Drizzly also makes it easy to send the gift of alcohol right to your friends and family for any occasion, even if that occasion is rubbing it in their face after you beat them in your face. Or maybe you joined too many leagues or were late to date night because you were putting in fab claims. Apologize with a, a nice beverage. Maybe you just want to save some time when you're hosting a party and don't want to make that run to the liquor store. Or even better, be the hero that every party needs when supplies are getting low and order more drinks. They're open until 2 a.m. So if you're looking to spend more time watching the game, download Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am beat on, joined by the handsome looking fellow across the screen from me, the fantasy master Lothario himself, Gray Albright. How you doing over there, Gray? Hey, well, thanks thanks for noticing my handsomeness. Uh, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good, uh beat on. I uh I was watching uh I was watching the Dahmer Netflix uh uh, what is it? A uh, mini series? I don't mm-hmm. even know. Maybe it's just a series. I don't know. It's awful. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was watching that, and on my Apple TV, I got a, uh, a notification that uh, Pujols was going for seven hundred, and um, I, this was uh, obviously Friday. And I got a notification from Apple TV saying Pujols going for seven hundred, and I knew from just like following baseball that. You know, he was going into the game going for six ninety nine. So I was like, mm, Apple TV's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not right. It's not right. That's not accurate. It's not. He's not going. He's going for seven hundred eventually, but he has to get six ninety nine first. Uh, so what I didn't realize was he already hit six ninety nine in that game. <laughs> so I was watching a terrible Dahmer TV show, and I I could have just flipped the channel and watched. Uh, Pujols hit 700, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like in today's day and age, you just watch the replay, and it's like, eh, it's sort of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it, though? I mean, it's like, it's kind of the same. I mean, it's a re- replay, but it's like, it's not like it's 19, 
you know, uh, tw- 27 and, you know, like Babe Ruth's like, you know, calling his shot and there's no video. It's like you can just watch the replay, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I mean, unless you're there in the stadium, to some extent, you're always watching a replay because they delay yeah. it anyway. So you're watching a replay of a replay. And you just go to like Twitter or Instagram or whatever your social media happens to be and see it there, like right after it happens too. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You don't have to really that's see it. Good, live that's anymore. such a good point. I love that. I, I love that. I love that point, B Don. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that from you because it's like, <laughs> you're totally right. Everything's a replay. <laughs> life, life is like, just sit and watch TV because everything's a replay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you can be there live, that'd be great. I also, I mean, you know, I, I could have uh, actually could have went to Dodger Stadium because it's only like five <laughs> minutes from my house, <laughs> so I could have actually been there and watched it live. But yeah, I mean, what's the difference, really? <laughs> what's the difference between me watching it live at Dodger Stadium or me sitting at home watching a bad show about Jeffrey Dahmer eating a human heart and Coog <laughs> saying to me, have you taken out the trash? I mean, what's the difference, really? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have caught it and then, you know, made some money. That would be the one, like, life-changing possibility if you happened to be in the stadium when it happened. Although Pulos Pulos wasn't given anything, he says. No, no, yeah, and I also, yeah, I would have, because of, uh, because it's Pujols, I would have actually uh, worked out a deal with his ex-wife and sold it to her for, like, a dollar and then let her (laughs) break out what to do with it. But uh, no, but honestly though, uh, Dodger Stadium for whatever reason, like every uh, every Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or whatever your social media choice is, what, whatever the, every handle that is like uh, stadiumfights.com, it's always in Dodger Stadium. I don't know why, <laughs> because like my hometown here, Do- uh, LA, is. More or less, I mean, it's kind of peaceful. I I don't know. Like, I don't have any real issues. Like, when I go out to, like, restaurants or something, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm living a charmed (laughs) life. But Dodger Stadium, like, you go in there and you will get beat up. (laughs) So so maybe I could have caught the ball, but I absolutely would not have gone out of the stadium with it. Look, you, you may step on somebody's like Balenciagos or like, you know, I don't know, Gray, something may happen in Dodger Stadium that causes that to happen. Uh, you know, you step in somebody in front of somebody's, you know, TikTok shot. Like there's all sorts of things that can happen in Dodger Stadium. Oh man, you missed up my TikTok shot. <laughs> you know that's been one at least one fight, Gray. At least one fight in Dodger Stadium this year was because somebody messed up a TikTok shot. I'm doing uh today I'm uh, I'm at Dodger Stadium doing a uh a- ALS TikTok challenge. Uh hey man, you just walked in front of my shot. <laughs> What's your problem? I'm trying to do an ALS shot. I'm my shot. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably been at least a few fights over that. Uh, yeah, and then Judge. Uh, Judge over in uh, – where I think he's in Toronto now. He was uh, – he honestly, like, watch it. Because I actually – I watched uh, I watched all of Judge's at-bats this weekend, uh, at least uh, most of them. <laughs> and um, I would say – And saw nothing. Like, like Bam, 
like uh, Bayo on uh, on Sunday night, he was pitching really well, and um, like Rich Hill and Nick Pavetta. I you know I don't the the Red Sox really pitched him so well. I don't know if it's like the stress of like uh you know the uh 60, uh, 61 or what, but yeah, I mean the Red Sox looked like the Red Sox looked good. I mean not their you know their fielding's still a mess and you know they they have issues, but their pitching actually when they were pitching the judge, it looked pretty good. I was surprised. I was impressed by uh Pavetta Hill and uh Bayo. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I was saying, I think like two weeks ago that judge, I, I put him down for 66 homers a- after, you know, the preseason where I put him down for probably like 39, <laughs> to be honest. And I we're going to do it again. I, the same thing's going to happen again. 66, like for, uh, for the first five months of the season, I didn't project him for 66. <laughs> but, but let's be honest. I only did that in like the last three weeks, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I I don't know. At this point, he may not even get 63. I don't don't know. And then again, before this, you know, pod comes out, he may already have 63. (laughs) Who's to say? I don't I don't know. But I'm uh, but I was surprised. He he looked like he was pressing a little bit. I'll I'll, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. He's definitely. You know, he'll probably definitely get I would say he's probably going to get 62 at least. But, you know, who knows? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just guessing. I I'd said I guess 66 a couple of weeks ago, like I said. So I don't know. But um, Aaron Judge, though, like uh, on Friday night, I think it was Apple TV. I believe it was Apple TV. They went and they were talking to Roger Maris's uh, Roger Maris Jr. and his family. And the uh, and the family was like. Oh no, we still believe Roger Maris has the home run record. And it's like, guys, I was watching you in '98 follow Mark McGuire around <laughs> the entire country. How are you going to say that you think Roger Maris still? Like, come on, man. Like, that's just so. That's such revisionist crap. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. That that is so annoying. Like, if anyone should except that his dad's record was it's like you were there bro you watched mcguire hit the home run man uh i mean anyway what's your you got any thoughts on judge uh well i mean i guess on the first part there the or i guess the last part that you mentioned the the family part yeah i mean they're just looking to make money every time this comes up as a topic so yeah they'll just <laughs> say it every time and they'll just follow get free tickets and free flights and, and move around the country with with the team so I guess good for them. Um, on Judge versus like Pujols, I feels like people were throwing like just meatballs up to Pujols in the opposite. It's now happening to Judge. Judge now Judge is at like sixty, and nobody wants to give up the next like three home runs. So everybody's like just throwing breaking balls outside the zone. If Judge wants to get there, he's gonna have to chase. Um, Nobody cared about giving up 700 to Pujols. I think Judge could get to 73 homers because I just saw on the schedule he's going to be facing Jose Barrios. So, (laughs) you know, I take it back. (laughs) Judge might get 80 homers if he's able to face Jose Barrios even in one game. (laughs) That could get any hitter going. (laughs) It it could. It it definitely could this year. Oh, Jose, you've uh, you've, you've been, uh, been tough to roster this year. Um, I guess in regards to Pujols, if I got the ball from Pujols, like, 
I'd probably burn it since I'm a Cubs fan or maybe donate to the Cubs so the Cubs can like put it up on display. Be like, oh, here's Pulis, Pulis, is 700 ball. Burn it, bro. Come on. You wouldn't burn it, bro. Come on. You would, I would, honestly, I would be, I would have the eBay listing up before I left the stadium. (laughs) I would be so, I mean, seriously, like all, all jokes aside, like you could get, you can get enough money to buy a house or something. Like, it's like, of course you, you do. Th- you take the money, you know? Like, I'm sorry. Like, and there's a lot of people that are like, especially Twitter. I feel like Twitter's filled with a lot of people who, uh, like, they're, uh, they say things just to get, like, you know, brownie points with, like, the world. Or I don't know. I don't Whoever know. Whoever is judging them on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're saying stuff that's, like, reality based or if they're saying stuff just to get, like, you know, a, a pat on the back, like, uh, on Twitter. But, like, no one is catching judges Homer and being like, here, take it, take it. I just want a, a signed baseball. <laughs> like, I mean, come on, man. Like, it's like, he's going to be worth $300 million at the end of this year. The Yankees are worth $3 billion. I mean, just take a million dollars. I'll take, take, I'll take 1% of judges next contract. Yeah. I mean, 1% on. of exactly. his next contract, which is yeah. again, like $3.5 million. Honestly, let let the Yankees buy the ball for him. I mean, you know, it's like, come on, man. Like, let MLB buy the ball. I don't know. Let someone buy the ball. I don't know. I feel like I'd rather sell it to Judge than the Yankees because he may not be there. Yeah, or um, he, yeah, but he still did it on the Yankees. So the Yankees are still. Yeah, but screw the Yankees. Uh, (laughs) And then pools. Yeah, you take pools. You definitely you put that shit on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or you do like I said, sell it to the wife. The wife will pay like ten million for that ball just to blow it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's getting displayed in the middle of the bleachers in, in Wrigley. If I caught that ball from Pujols, that's where it's going, Gray. I will, I will donate that one and sit it in the middle of Wrigley just so that it's never in St. Louis hands. Um, <laughs> all right, Gray, we, we, let's move on from the records. That really doesn't have anything to do with the, the game that we're here to talk about, which is the fantasy side. Um, Ten days left, so I hope everybody's grinding for those last few points. Really, as, as far as picking up players, we're, we're kind of done with that because, obviously, you know what you got to do. You're basically playing whoever's playing that day because there's so many people sitting and resting anymore. Um, but let's talk about some guys for what they've done here in this second half and then looking forward to next year, Gray. Uh, let's start with Adley Rushman. You know, he was one of the top prospects in the game. Uh, as it, on the baseball side of the non-fantasy side, he's might, he might have been the number one prospect just because he's a catcher. Catcher gets that big bump. Um, but second half, he's hit 283, 404, 468. He has seven home runs, three stolen bases. On the last 30-day player Raider, he is the number five catcher. He is number 11 catcher on the season without playing all the season up in the majors. Where is he going to fit? I know, we don't, I know we're probably not going to end up with him on our teams because we don't draft catchers early, Gray. But where is he going to end up among catchers next year? Is he a first-tier catcher? Like maybe the top of the second tier? Where are you at on? Uh, yeah, no, he's a first-tier catcher, I think. Uh, probably... I wasn't anticipating uh, getting uh, doing my catcher rankings today, but uh, Salvador Perez, uh, Real Muto, Adelaide sounds about right, right? 
I mean, that's, I mean, I, I, you know, it's subject to change, obviously, but yeah, I mean, that seems more or less correct, I think, unless I'm forgetting someone, which I don't think I am. Uh, you know, Contreras is there, but I think Adelaide's in front of Contreras. Um, both Contreras's are there. Um, Contreri. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Adelaide, there was actually, there was a, uh, uh, tweet by a uh, Orioles uh, Orioles uh, beat writer Nathan Ruiz um, that uh, our writer uh, JKJ our uh, bullpen guy JKJ he put it into um, the group chat where Adelaide Rushman was uh, Adelaide Rushman has twelve homers thirty one doubles fifty eight walks and that in for for that for those random it's a bit random. <laughs> 12 homers, 31 doubles, and 58 walks is a bit random. But in 115 games, the only other people who have done that in Major League history are Goldschmidt, Votto, Big Poppy, Chipper Jones, Jeff Bagwell, and Frank Thomas. So pretty elite company, uh, obviously. So, I mean, that's the kind of names that if you're, like, as a rookie, Adelaide Rushman is being, you know, clumped in with those names, even if those are kind of random stats – that's pretty impressive. Like he is honestly, if he's the number one catcher next year, uh, at the end of the year, that is not, I don't think he's going to get ranked number one because like I said, I think Perez and real Mute are probably be in front of him. But if he's the number one catcher at the end of the year, next year, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he's, he is really talented. The only problem I, I feel like with, um, you know, uh, Salvador Perez has a lot more power, and Real Muto actually might steal 20 bags this year. And Rushman has no real speed. I mean, a little bit, but not not really. Like you know, three to three to six steals in a year, which I mean isn't bad for a catcher, but it, it's not like you know, it's not going to be Real Muto's 20. Uh, and, but Adelaide Rushman probably 20. He doesn't have like he. I don't think he has like 40 pa- 40 homer power, which uh, Sal Perez could potentially have. I think Adelaide Rushman is probably going to be like maybe 25 homer, five steal, 280 average, which is really good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that's solid. Oh, uh, Dalton Varsho is is probably in that uh, range too because he's going to have outfielder at bats. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think Adelaide Rushman is definitely going to be at least – top four, if not top three catcher for next year. I think he's probably at the, uh, you know, at least a 50-50 bet to be the number one catcher after uh, next year. Like he's obviously he's uh, he's going up where the other guys who I mentioned, like Sal Perez and Real Muto, they're on their way down. So Adelaide Rushman's like, you know, he's peaking. Uh, I think you know, I, I I mean, there's no way I'm going to actually have him on any teams. I think he'll go way before I'm going to be willing to draft him. So, I mean, maybe I could see ADP on him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the top 75 uh, drafted-wise. I, I, at least top 100, I would say. You know, people, will shock, people always shock me about drafting catchers way before I would. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, people were jumping on him, like, in the top 50, it wouldn't shock me, uh, you know, cause like people get out of their minds about like drafting catchers early and, you know, they do, they do dumb shit <laughs> quite frankly when it comes to catchers. So I, it's not what I would do, but I wouldn't be shocked if Adelaide Rushman goes at least top 75 overall next year and maybe top 50. And 
Yeah, I won't be rostering him, but yeah, he's really good. I mean, it's all real. Like, I I don't see anything that's pointing to me saying like, oh, he's going to be a bust. Like, I don't think he's going to be a bust. I just am not willing to pay for a catcher. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how we, you and I have always been. That's just kind of how how we approach our our team builds. Um, I mean, Rio Muto's stolen bases are are pretty much going to keep him up there as long as he's stealing. And like you said, there's Salvador Perez, who I honestly think I'm I'm taking Adley over Salvador Perez at this point, just because Salvador hit what 22 home runs, he hit like 260, 270 this year. Like that's pretty much the line I expect from Adley, and Adley's on the upside. While you know we have Salvador going to age 33 season, so my ages is going to kick in. So I'm probably going to have Adley above him. So yeah, I mean I think it's Rumuto, Varsho, Will Smith, and and Adley kind of in that top four with you know depending on where Contreras lands and then um, you know how much you want to believe in Salvador Perez, uh, you know kind of the power and the bounce back in the second half. But yeah, I think Adley's square in that top five for me um, as a first tier catcher that I won't own. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Moving on. Moving on. uh, Andres Jimenez. I know we've talked about him uh, like it's probably like a couple months ago now, but a little bit more information on him now for the season. He's 303, 375, 482. He's hit 17 home runs, 19 stolen bases, 64 runs, 68 RBIs and 30, 139 games. In the second half, he hit 311, 395, 486 with seven home runs and 12 stolen bases. He is the number 48 player on the season player Raider, and that is overall. That's in, that's including pitchers. Uh, where are you at on Andres Jimenez going into next year? Uh, you know, I think uh, I don't think my mind has changed that much from last time we talked about him. Where like I I do think he's probably going to be uh, drafted and ranked lower than his value even this year like I you know and he's only 23 so it's like why would he be you know why would he be someone who would not be as good next year as like you know because that's what his I think his drafting his ranks are going to say like you know they're going to say he's going to come down from his top 50 uh, perch on the player radar this year and I, I don't know why that will be I don't I don't think anyone's going to really be able to pinpoint why I guess you know the biggest issue with him is he probably doesn't have like, you know, huge power or speed. So he's, you know, he's a little bit like, you know, 2020 is good, but if it becomes 1515, then it's kind of boring and, you know, you know, it's easier to uh it's easier to avoid a guy like that. Um but, you know, like I said he's young, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him still get better next year. Like right now He's at 17, 19, 303. I could potentially see like his power even get even better. Like he's, uh, you know, maybe not, maybe not tremendously better, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him put up like a, uh, you know, maybe 24 homers and he's got better speed than 20 steel uh, uh, speed. So, you know, potentially 20, 25, 275 285 like he's also like he makes good contact so he's not necessarily a bad bet for a terrible average like you know uh, he hit 303 this year with a little bit of uh, babbitt help so 
I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him hit like, you know, anywhere from, you know, average is so uh, fluky and fickle that, you know, he could hit anywhere from like 265 to 320. So, I mean, that's a huge gap, but I, but more realistically, he's probably a 280 hitter, which isn't bad. I mean, that's solid, especially in today's game where, you know, the major league average is like 245. So, yeah, I mean, if he hits, if he goes like 22 to 24 homers, 25 steals and a 280 average, that's definitely top 50, if not top 30 overall for next year. I wouldn't be shocked to see him ranked and drafted like 75 to 100. Uh, maybe, you know, he, I could see him even fall even later. I don't think people really appreciate Andres Jimenez. Yeah, I, I don't think he's getting the discussion that he should be coming up on a 2020 season uh, with dual eligibility. I think he only maintains second base next year, but I'll have to, I'll have to verify that. Um, but yeah, I think he could go a little under noticed as people are taking names like, like Carlos Correa and, um, like the guys in that range that are going in that hundred, like as guys are taking names that they recognize, like Andre Jimenez isn't going to be a name people recognize, but like from a home run stolen base, I would expect him to be equal if not above somebody like a Correa. Correa gets a little bit more value because he hits, you know, middle lineup and all of that. And supposedly there's upside, but it's still been like seven years now. We haven't seen Correa's upside. So I'm just assuming, I'm just assuming it's, not happening. it's not happening. Oh, yeah. And even I think Correa, too, like even his upside, he doesn't have any speed at all. So his upside is like 32 homers, 280, which isn't bad because it'll come with good runs and RBIs, but it's not like he's his upside is like lurking in there as like a 30 20 player. Like he doesn't have any speed at all. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the Correa attraction really at all. I, I think, uh, I think it comes from the fact that he's like a, uh, a guy who gets a lot of media attention. So I think people just, uh, naturally like they think he's better than he is, you know, because it's like, Oh, Correa was on, you know, they talk to him like after a game. So it's like, for, for some reason, people think that has something to do with fantasy. I don't know. Yeah. I guess, uh, let's throw a few kind of middle infielders out that are going to go around him. I would guess next year, maybe, uh, just depending on name recognition, but uh, how about Xander Bogarts, who's had yeah, you know, obviously, you know, obviously a down, a down season. season? Yeah, no, I think Bogarts is like uh, Bogarts for me is probably he he's probably going before I'm drafting him. I I I'm worried about Bogarts. Like this year was really bad. I, I mean, the average is still there, but I mean, the average is like you know, like I like I always say. I mean, average is fickle. It's fluky. If you can't support, like, you know, like he's hitting less for less power than Jimenez, way less speed than Jimenez. Yeah, I'm I'm out on Bogarts, I think. All right. How about um, Corey Seager, who gave us the power this year, stayed healthy for the most part, but then the average plummeted, which was the thing we thought was safe with him. Um, would you rather have Seager or Jimenez? Uh, I think I'm going to go Seager barely, but probably pretty close. I think Seager, I think Seager's power is real and I think his average can bounce back. So I'm, I'm 
I'm actually usually I'm out on Seeger, but I'm kind of in on Seeger. Uh, I think Seeger's got I think Seeger's got more. Uh, he's still got more in him that like could potentially be positive. You know, a guy who uh, I think is probably like because his second half was not as great and who's probably on the outs in most people's eyes as like a potential like worry. Maybe there's a worry for a platoon is like a Tommy Edmond, I think still is probably going to be underrated. Like I, I get that he wasn't as good in the second half and he's probably, you know, like there's some concerns there, but he's still got power and speed. And like, that is, that goes really far like that. That changes like the whole dynamics of a player. Like, you know, people I think are surprised that like a Tommy Edmond as, you know, as much as he struggled, he's still around a top 30 player on the player radar. Like he's that's still really valuable. Yeah, and I think the struggle narrative was a little bit strong even because he had 259 in the first half. He's hitting 266 in the, in the second half. He had seven home runs first, six now. He had 20 stolen bases first half, 11 now, and that's with a little bit of being banged up. So, like, I feel like the Tommy Tommy Edmond narrative has gone a little bit far just because he started out so scorching hot hitting 300 in, like, 280 for the first two months that – you know, people all of a sudden built him up as this 280-45 steal, like 20 homer guy, which he was never going to be. He's like a 250-260, you know, 30 home runs, 10 to 15 home run guy, and that's what he's going to do. And there's value in that. I agree. Yeah, no, totally. Like, you know, as of the recording of this, uh, Tommy Edmond and JT Realmuto are basically tied on the player rater at like 32 and 33 overall. Like, you know, just obviously different positions. Uh, so that might change people's perceptions, but it shouldn't. It, like, position scarcity is like a myth. So they should not be as different as they will be in the preseason next year. Like, Real Muto will probably be knocking on like top 25 overall. And Tommy Edmund may not make top 100 in some people's drafts. Like, it's going to be ridiculous how different they're going to be in uh, 2023 when, it, when rankings and drafting comes out. But like Edmund, I would trust Edmund to repeat more than I trust JT Real Muto. Yeah. I mean, just the, the fact that he's a catcher always makes that just really hard to count on year to year, uh, which I'm just going to continue to pound into everybody's ears until they finally listen to us and stop drafting catchers in the first three rounds, but that's never going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Andres Aminimus goes a little underdrafted, potentially. I think Seager probably goes overdrafted, which is why I probably won't be on in on him. People always love Seager. The projection models, Rudy's projection models in particular, always love Seager. Um, so he tends to go just, just earlier than I want him, whereas I think Jimenez is going to fall to an area where I'm, I'm going to be happy to take him. And I think just looking at second base, Gray, second base is going to be pretty awful, Next year, uh, we're losing Trey. Um, I mean, that's a big loss at the top side. And I think, I mean, Simeon, I think right now is, is the Simeon and Altuve and Edmund are probably the three that are sitting at the top right now of, of second base. So I don't know that Jimenez is that far off. I mean, Albies gets thrown in there. Obviously, he missed pretty much the whole season. But, I mean, Jimenez is going to be a, why not what, top? seven top eight second baseman 
at worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, definitely. I, uh, you know, I, and I really don't think he's going to draft it anywhere like near where we're saying his value could be. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. So we'll, we'll check back in on him and as, as we get closer to draft season or as NFBC starts firing up and we get some ADP numbers. Uh, Seth Brown, uh, this one's just random as held, Gray. Second half, he's at 261, 358, 554. I mean, that's a great slash line. He's number 32 on the last 30-day hitter player Raider. Will enter his age 30 season next year. I mean, is this something here in the second half that we're, we should be monitoring, or is this just a random couple months from a 29-year-old bat? You know, Seth Brown is uh, next year could be entering his, his Aaron Judge year. Could be Seth Brown, incoming 60, 20, 3, 20. <laughs> Seth Brown, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Seth Brown is probably, I mean, I, he feels like a guy who just happens to be hot. I don't know. I mean, his numbers aren't awful. Like you, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, like his power. I mean, if he can get. 27 homers and 10 steals that's really valuable i just don't know like you know his steals feel like they've come a little bit out of nowhere i don't know you know i it's hard to say like he's just like his downside feels so bad that i i just i get worried that like you know like i could see him potentially being like a uh a like around 175 to 200 overall, maybe, maybe a little bit of a hair before that, maybe 150 to 150 to 175 overall next year. And, you know, the potential of having like 27 Homer, 10 steals, 240. But also I think the downside is just like, he's like basically droppable in the first month. Like I don't like, I like that's the concern with Seth Brown. Like I think the downside could be really bad. Um, Like un like unownable really. So yeah, I mean, he, he seems fine. Like the numbers, the numbers more or less check out. Like he's, you know, his, um, his fly balls are, fine his his ground his ground balls like it doesn't like it doesn't look like it's a uh it's necessarily a luck thing like his launch angles pretty good uh it's around 15.6 uh not around it is essentially that (laughs) um his hard hit percentage is decent like he doesn't hit a lot of soft uh contact yeah i mean it, it looks good i just don't know if it's more or less like it feels kind of fluky because it's Seth Brown and oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not totally sold. Like he he could be a cheap uh let's say Anthony Rizzo next year. Um you know, like someone who and he's even better than Anthony Rizzo uh at least recently for sure, like an half. Um so yeah, I mean his runs and RBIs aren't going to be great. He, he's fine. I I don't necessarily think he was at uh he was like around the twentieth first baseman, I think uh last week. I think he's moved up to nineteen now. Uh he's around he's uh area is Josh Bell. Uh I think their their season kind of gone the opposite way. Like Josh Bell was good in the first half, Brown was better in the second half. So but that sounds about like I think Seth Brown is play, you know, a 
a bad, a, a sort of like a, a set to have like, you know, a, a top 20 first baseman season, like, or be droppable. I don't really see a next level in him necessarily. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think Seth Brown is pretty much what you said. I mean, he, he's, he's hitting really well right now. He's going to end up with 25 home runs on the season in, you know, 150, 145 games, something like that. So, I mean, he's had a full season. I think maybe the the issue that keeps his value from even going, you know, any more than what it is right now is just like he's on a terrible, terrible roster with a terrible lineup that has no intention of getting better. Um, and so, like, the runs in RBI are just killing any kind of value he could potentially produce because if he did this in a good lineup – He'd have 75, 80 RBI, runs in RBIs to, to, to bank with this 25 home runs. Um, so I, I'm with you that he's kind of going to slide a little bit. I do think I'm a little bit interested in him kind of in that 160, 180 range, kind of where like maybe really like where Rizzo went this year. I could see him putting up kind of a Rizzo-esque season where it's kind of up and down with the average, but the power is kind of there um, and he sits in the right part of the lineup. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like a, a a cheap Rizzo. Yeah. When it comes to the big game, every second counts, especially if you're missing a moment of the action to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores, compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, and then get them delivered in under 60 minutes or scheduled up to two weeks in advance. Talk about a home run or inside the park grand slam with a whole lot less work on your part. Drizzly also makes it easy to send the gift of alcohol right to your friends and family for any occasion, even if that occasion is rubbing it in their face after you beat them in your face. Or maybe you joined too many leagues or were late to date night because you were putting in fab claims. Apologize with a, a nice beverage. Maybe you just want to save some time when you're hosting a party and don't want to make that run to the liquor store. Or even better, be the hero that every party needs when supplies are getting low and order more drinks. They're open until 2 a.m. So if you're looking to spend more time watching the game, download Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Yeah. All right. Moving on to another 30-year-old, Joey Manessis. Manessis? I don't know. Um, 40, <laughs> 46 games this year. He's hitting 326, 360, 583, 12 home runs, one stolen base. Uh, we mentioned Seth Brown where all the numbers kind of line up. Uh, he had, I believe he has a 17% home run to fly ball. Well, Joey has a 28% home run to fly ball. So that stands out a little bit and what may not be repeatable. But where are you at on Joey? Uh, yeah, I mean, he feels like a guy who is going to be like, you know, completely forgotten by this time next year. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I mean, he really sort of just like unless the – Nationals, I mean, this isn't, uh, it's not only the Nationals, I guess the Red Sox, the Braves, the Phillies. I mean, there a lot of teams would have had to be so dramatically wrong for them to, like, not ever uh, promote him because he's been around. I mean, he's been in the minor league for, like, 12 years. He's not, like, he started with the Braves system at age 19 He's now 30. That's not what? Ah, he's old, man. 
<laughs> Yo, bro, you're old. 30 years old? Damn. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like to be in a to be in the minor leagues like that many years, to be in the minor leagues for over a decade, and to have multiple teams look at you and be like, You suck. <laughs> it's go go try something else man uh you know for so many teams to be like even like you can't even write off like 2020 you know i don't even know what he was doing in 2019 he must have had a uh an injury because he didn't even play in 2019 so he was he didn't play from 2018 to 2021 I don't know. I don't know the story of Joey Menendez. <laughs> Joey Menendez. Uh, Joey Menzies. I, you know, I, I think it's just. I think it's just one of those fluky Kevin Moss type deals where, like, he's having a great, you know, final month and a half, and then next year you get him like late, like around like. 225, 250 overall, and you're like, ah, you suckers took Rizzo at 120, and I got Joey Menzies. <laughs> and then, like, you get two weeks into the season, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I have Joey Menzies, and I have to drop him. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have any real hope for him, but, you know, I guess we'll see. It's not like, I mean, his numbers, I mean, his Babbitt's high, but it's not like his, uh, his hard hit is okay. I mean, he's not like he's doing like, like he's not being terribly lucky. Like he looks like he's actually making really good contact, but also, you know, at the end of the year, pitchers aren't really like, you know, like pitchers are just throwing, like there's a lot of bad pitchers in the major leagues right now in September. There's all these guys who are just like trying to eat up innings for a lot of bad teams or even good teams. Like right now, you know, the, the Braves are throwing guys out there even like the, the Mets are throwing guys out there. Like good teams are throwing guys out there who wouldn't normally be pitching just because they have to eat up some innings just to get them, you know, to October. And, you know, a lot of pitchers aren't familiar with him. So it's like, Oh, just throw him a fastball. Who cares? Kind of situation. I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I sound real negative on him, but I, <laughs> I, I don't have much hope in him. I don't know. You have, maybe you have more hope, do you? Um, I, so I will say to to the point that you were making about the contact, like all the contact numbers look good. The average exit velocity, launch angle, hard hit rate, all that looks good over the limited sample size that we've seen. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where. Like, he would have been up in the majors in 2019, but he got popped for a PED thing. Um, so 2019, he didn't play at all because of that. 2020, obviously, was a lost season for every minor leaguer. And then so it becomes 2021. He's a 29-year-old prospect who gets shipped twice again. Um, so uh, to some extent, um, I'm willing to forgive the fact that he's a 30-year-old um, that's just making his appearance. But at the same time, he's hit as a 28% home run the fly ball. That's not sustainable. He's hitting 326. That's also not sustainable for him. So I would guess he's, for me, he probably comes in around where, like, Jorge Soler was going this year. So, like, 200, 220, somewhere in that range where, like, I think there's power there. There's some upside, but it could be somebody you cut bait on three weeks into the season without a doubt. No, completely. And also, I mean, in 
you know, and to defend him, or at least in fairness to him, he was at, uh, you know, he's at first base doing well in the minor leagues. Like Triple A, he had a 23 homer, 311 season, and then a, another Triple A season where he, he was like injured, but he did well in it. Like he's hit well in the minor leagues, but he was at first base behind, you know, either Reese Hoskins or he's at first base behind. Uh, Matt Olson, oh, not Matt, uh, Freddie Freeman, actually. He was at first base with uh, the Braves. So he's behind Freddie Freeman for a while, behind Reese Hoskins with the Phillies. Then, you know, with Boston, I don't, I don't, I don't think he was behind anyone, but that, that was last year. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, in fairness to him, he was behind guys who were just so much better that there was nowhere for him to play. So I don't know, maybe – there's something here. And and that was, you know, the NL didn't have the DH prior to this year, so now they have room for him. Uh, maybe maybe he's a late bloomer and he has, like, a 20-homer, 260 season in him next year. I wouldn't project him for much more than that, though. Yeah, I think if I'm going on the upside, I think the power could be real. I think he could hit 25 to 30 home runs. I do not believe that he's a 326 hitter. I would guess he's closer to 250, 260. Um, and that's that's really just because he doesn't really strike out. Like, his strikeout rates have always been good through every spot. So I don't want to give him, like, a 220 and drop him completely because, he, you know, he does seem to have a decent eye for the ball. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting something closer to 250, 260. And, and then, again, I think where I might have a little more optimism is the power. I think he could potentially do that. And I mean, he. There's no reason he can't slot in for them at first base. Um, doesn't appear like Washington is trying to be overly aggressive in their moves right now. So, um, you know, they're rebuilding and trying to get pieces together. So he can be, uh, you know, a gap piece for a year while they while they do figure that out. Him and Luke Voigt, maybe they they swap first base to age. And he's played uh, enough games to get uh, outfield eligibility for next year. So that'll be nice to have dual eligibility, at least on those late flyers. That's something that I like. Out of At least if I'm going to take a guy at the very end, uh, maybe I can at least move him around and be shitty in multiple positions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so a guy that we were both very high on this year that I loved, you loved. We have him in drafts. We have him in league. We have him everywhere. Not quite the season we thought we were going to get from Wander Franco. Uh, yeah. um, 18 games in September, he's turned it around, 328, 362, 422. No home runs, no, no stolen bases isn't great to see. Um, but what are you doing with Wander next year? Like, I feel like we kind of maybe need to group him with the next guy we're going to talk about, which is Stephen Kwan, which just, oh, that hurts my head. Um, oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. I can't. I can't say yeah, anything you else. Know what I, uh, uh. You know what? Honestly, like if you're uh, so, this is an either or: a Wander Franco or Andres Jimenez. Which one? I mean, I, I feel like it's Andres Jimenez. I feel like the stolen yeah, bases like, are re- there. Recent, I mean, recency bias. It is. is it's one hundred percent recency bias. <laughs> it's a killer, man. <laughs> recency, recency bias will kill you because it's uh. like because people are like because next year. I'm going to be guilty of it, too, so don't get me wrong. But next year, like, I'm going to put, like, Aaron Judge in the top five overall because you have to. But, like, this year, going into the year, he was, like, I don't know, at, like, 12. 35. <laughs> 12 to 25. 
Yeah, you know, Aaron Judge was, I think Aaron Judge's ADP was like 25 to 35. He was 32, Gray. He was 32. Okay, 32. Yeah, that's okay, crazy. So 32. Yeah, so yeah, 25 to 35. Ah, eat it. <laughs> so anyway, though, uh, so 32, now he's going to be top five. Probably some people will make the case that he's the top guy off of the board. It's like recency bias and nothing else, really. Like, why would Aaron Judge suddenly go from the 30s to number one at age 30? Like, that doesn't make sense, really. But it's going to happen. So, I don't know. So, on that note, Wander, bringing this back to Wander Franco, it's going to be the same situation with recency bias. Like, people will be like, eh. He was probably better at like, you know, at like 120 to 140 overall uh, getting drafted there. And it's going to be, I, I mean, I already feel like I'm going to have to write a sleeper post on Wander Franco. Like, he's not bad. He just had a bad season, you know, a really unfortunate season with injuries. And I don't know, man. I, I think Wander Franco is like definitely Andres Jimenez over Wander Franco, but. Wander Franco is going to be a guy who I'm going to I'm going to have to be in on him again, especially at his cheaper price. Like I'm not giving up on Wander Franco. Like I still I still believe in the 25 15 300 plus, you know? Like that's still there. I still I still fully believe in it. I think uh I mean Wander Franco or Stephen Kwan, I don't even think's close. I think Stephen Kwan is like I mean, Stephen Kwan for me is still like around basically what he was for me this year, like around maybe a little bit higher, but maybe like 120 to 140, 150 overall. I don't think Stephen Kwan's – I mean, I think Stephen Kwan's like a, a number three to number four outfielder. I don't think he's like – I don't think he's that good. I mean, he's fine. I, I don't I don't mind Stephen Kwan. I liked him this year. I drafted him in a lot of places. But, yeah, I don't – I don't think Stephen Kwan suddenly become like a number one outfielder. No, no. I was thinking of it more in just the fact that Stephen Kwan has pretty much become average with stolen bases and in runs. Like that's what he's he's gonna do. Oh, okay. Well, Whereas Wander's yeah. gonna do home runs, average, and runs. Um so I mean we're just looking at kind of different stats. I don't know I'm with you that like people are gonna give up on Wander. I will probably be back in on him come next draft season again. Um but, like, if we're saying Andre Jimenez, he's going to go, I, I'm just going to say he gets 2020 this year and he hits, you know, 300. I mean, he's hitting 303 right now. I, I would say Wander probably has him in average ability. Uh, I would say Wander has him in power ability. That's probably about it, though. Like, speed, I'm going to hand to Andres. Um, um, continuously in the lineup. I mean, Cleveland doesn't move guys in and out like Tampa Bay does. You think Tampa Bay is not going to do that with Wander? Hopefully, since he is a any bats both both sides. But who knows? It's Tampa Bay. They're, they're freaking weird. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, it should be Wander hands down. I just don't know. Right? Yeah. No. I. I mean, I think Wander. Uh, yeah, Wander's going to be a tough one. I mean, it's not going to be an easy call. But even in a, you know, even in a totally awful season. He still he still has the potential of hitting 280 this year. I mean, he's at 275 right now. There, he could hit. He could end this year at 280 with you know uh, you know no no power or speed. Obviously, it was a bad year 
And I'm not going to pretend like it was a good year, but even in a bad year, he still, you know, has the potential to hit 280. I think in a good year, like he could be a, a 320 guy very easily. And I don't know if the power, you know, I don't think we've seen the power and speed like the ceiling yet. I think I still totally believe in a big year for Wander Franco, 100%. Yeah, I, I guess the one place I might disagree is the speed. Because if you haven't peaked speed, you know, it's not going to get better. Your speed doesn't get better as you get older. Um, I, I completely agree on the power and the average. I do think he's he has a batting title or maybe several batting titles in his future. Um, but the concern with Wander coming into the year was, does he have the power speed to really make him a fantasy asset? Right. And that yeah, question hasn't want, been answered yeah, like, yet. Uh... Right, you don't want to get like you don't want to draft Luis Arise at like seventy five overall. Yeah, fifty. Or I mean, that's that's where we had to take Wander this year was around forty five, fifty. Right, Ronda. Yeah, the next year, I mean, maybe a hundred. I don't know. He'll probably fall. He'll probably fall to one twenty, in in that range. I wouldn't be surprised if he falls after a hundred. I probably have him above that, but I mean, like we're saying here. I don't think I could take like an, uh, him before an Andres Jimenez. <laughs> just, I mean, recency bias, man. It's a killer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like to say I'm going to get him inside my 100 like, some way, shape, or form. Um, but you're right. I mean, recency bias is hard to look past sometimes, and and especially when it when the recency bias also doesn't really play into what you wanted to see. You know, if Wander had come out and hit 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases in a month. We'd feel a whole lot better about it than him hitting like two eighty and five and five. Like that's like the average of what we're counting on. But yes, I do think he gets inside the top one hundred. I'd say probably around eighty ish um, is where I think he probably ends up somewhere around the era that like I don't know like um, like Bregman was going this year, kind of that same scenario. Like, is the power speed going to be there? Right, middle lineup type bat. Yeah, yeah, potentially. All right, so we already talked about Stephen Kwan. I really just kind of wanted to bring it up because as much as we talked about him right off the bat and then killed him and then ignored him for the rest of the season, like he's pretty much been what we thought he would be other than one month. Um, It sounds like you you said you have him at kind of outfielder 3-4. I think that's that's probably the right area for him. He's going to give you average and stolen bases. And some runs, and like that's that's about it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, I like Stephen Kwan. I just don't like him necessarily a ton more than I liked him last year. I mean, I liked I liked him coming into this year. Like he did basically what I expected him to do, minus like maybe ten homers. Uh, maybe yeah. I mean, I expected probably closer to like. Maybe 12. I expected probably closer to like 12 homers. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's been, you know, maybe 12 to 15 if I, I, I forget what I project him for. But I, I did expect more power. And yeah, I mean, he's been fine. He actually, you know, the times that I've watched him and he has homered, like the few times, like you see him homer and you're like, well, he has good power. Like he should be able to turn on balls and hit it out like a little bit more regularly, like maybe I'm not saying he's like a big power threat, but maybe like two to three homers per month, which prorates out to like, you know, uh, 15 to 18 homers a year. But 
Yeah, he just, I mean, he sort of, his power sort of disappears there for long stretches. But his average is good. And as long as the Guardians have him batting leadoff, I mean, there's going to be runs there. So, yeah, I mean, I think he is what he is at this point. I don't mind him. I just don't, like, if anything, when people were drafting Miles Straw last year, I think Quan is a better version of Miles Straw. Like, he's, like, Miles Straw never was this, like, you know, I would never have been this confident on Miles Straw uh, getting this kind of average that you're going to get from Stephen Quan. Straw has a bit more speed, just like, in, uh, you know, he's just faster. But I think Quan has enough speed and a much better contact uh, and average that he's going to be, you know, what what people thought they might have been getting from Straw, like Quan can actually do it. And I think he can do it again next year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think uh, you saw Straw go like 130 to 150 this year. I think that's still the right range for Quan. Um Again, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's going to be three categories, so it, it's very helpful, very useful. Um, it, it just kind of depends on how you're building your team, and, and unlike like a Luis Arise who gave you multiple position eligibility plus that average, he's really just outfield. So, um, moving on, let's talk about a few pitchers before we get out of here, Gray. I think maybe two. Um, I mean, you, you see the list here. Let's talk about Shane Bieber, I guess. Never got his velocity back this year. The numbers are still elite. The K rate has dropped. So I mean, it's still very, very serviceable. Where are you at on Beeps for next year, though? Is he your safe ace, or is this, or is this concerning enough that maybe you look somewhere else? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's so weird because like when a guy's velocity drops, that's usually the, uh, you know, that that's the enough to be like sell get out now you know and he's actually made a lesser velocity work for him and he's still so he's still so young that it's kind of wild how uh how much velocity he's lost to not be injured i mean assuming he's not injured i mean i'm guessing he's not because he's been really very good except you know, the K's are down and the velocity is down. So, I mean, he's making his uh, command work for him much better. He's got, you know, great command. So if he can have, like right now, he's got a 1.7 uh, walk per nine. If he can have anything below a two, he's going to be worth, you know, he's going to be worthwhile and probably an ace as long as the K's don't fall again next year. Because, you know, like now... I would guess everyone's projections for him for next year is going to say his Ks are going to go up again, but they could easily come down even further. Like he can become like an eight and a half K per nine guy. And you know, his Ks can continue to fall. Now, if his walks stay fine, then he's good. But you're also looking at basically like a, a rich Miles Mikolos or something, you know, which is like yeah. not not great. So I like Bieber. I don't think I'm going to be in on him, uh, to be honest. I mean, that could change. It's still, you know, it's September, you know, during the long off season. Maybe I, I look at him again and I think about like, you know, the fact that he is, you know, relatively safe, assuming he's healthy. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't see it. I the K's are down too much. 
the velocity being down, I'm probably out on him next year. Uh, you know, but we'll see. I, I it depends also on I guess maybe his ADP, but I, I'm guessing I'm probably going to be out on him. Yeah, I would guess his ADP is going to be fairly high up there. Um, people love Shane Bieber, and he's again the numbers have been great. He he hasn't really lost anything on the ERA WHIP. It's all been on the K rate, which again for Major League Be- Baseball is perfectly fine. For our game, not ideal. I tend to chase strikeouts with my top couple of pitchers, so I likely won't have Shane Bieber. Uh, but I'm not I'm not overly worried about him as far as just the, the ratios go. I think they're safe there. He's in a good park. He knows what he's doing. And I feel like he has, you know, kind of the Greg Maddox level control and command where he this velocity isn't going to hurt him like it hurts a lot of other pitchers who rely on movement. Yeah, you know, and also like uh, I I don't know if you uh, saw this in our uh, in our group chat on the Rasball Writers group chat. Rudy was saying uh, something that was interesting that like this year it felt more like there was a lot of top pitchers, or at least for ERA. So a lot of top ERAs in the league are coming with like not necessarily elite strikeout rates like previous years. Like you know. Alec Manoa's got an 8.3 K per nine. Julio Urias has an 8.6. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is an 8.1. Uh, you know, Max Fried, 8.3. These are all in the top 10 for ERAs. So, you know, I, I wasn't just grabbing random names. So a lot of guys who are like top ERAs aren't necessarily top strikeout guys for this year, at least. So I don't know what what that means. <laughs> necessarily yet uh it's something to think about though because like shane bieber having a great era uh, his nine k per nine is actually on the high side for the top eras like you know he's he's sort of in line with justin verlander like it's not too far off like verlander's at 9.2 k per nine and bieber's at a nine even so you know that's sort of tomato tomato really that's not that different um so like i don't i don't know what that means like honestly uh but it's something i mean the fact that these eras are so good and the k's aren't necessarily as great as they've been i don't know maybe uh you know maybe it was maybe it was a weird fluky year maybe maybe none of that means anything but k's overall feel like they were they're down a bit from previous years for uh, top starters. I'm just, you know, I'm sort of, um, this is all off the top of my head. I haven't necessarily uh, looked at this completely, but it does feel like the top K per nine guys are just like, not like there's a lot fewer of them. Like there, it seems like K's are down. I I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it, it feels that way at least. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. No, I would guess that they are slightly down. Um, yeah, because like even like like Robbie Ray went from eleven and a half to a ten point two. Like all the top K guys have really like you know except for like a few like Otani obviously is doing well. Um, uh, Rodon's doing well. Garrett Cole's doing well for K's. But a lot of guys have come down. Like even uh, you know even Otani. He's down a little bit from his uh, uh, on his K per nine. Just uh, actually, he's up. I'm sorry, he's up. I was looking at uh, I was looking at his pitching. I mean, his batting stats. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
so there's a few guys who are still, you know, the top of the top, but there's a bunch of guys like, you know, there's only 10 guys in the major leagues who are qualifying, who have a 10 point, uh, who have a 10 K per nine or better. That seems, that seems low. I don't know. I, I'm just looking at this now, but it does feel like K's are down a little. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they are down slightly and, I'm trying to pull up the numbers to show that uh, real quick, but um, I think part of it may also be the adjustment in the ball that they made this year. Um, when they made the adjustment in the ball, the ball doesn't fly as far, so pitchers don't have to chase strikeouts as much because they can lean into just their players making plays behind them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I dropped it down to 140 innings pitched. Uh, there's nine, there's 25 pitchers that had a K per nine over nine with 140 uh, last year is 25. So we were looking at this small difference. Oh, hold on. That was uh, different. But yeah, I think there's reasons. It's 45, I believe, from last year. So definitely a cut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. So, I mean, we lost about 12 pitchers, 12, 13 pitchers who went from 9K per nine and didn't make it back this year for whatever reason, whether that's the sticky stuff, whether that's the ball change. Um, for whatever reason. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. This is a full season of the sticky stuff checks, too. Yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, that could also definitely play into it. It. I mean, I like I said, I mean, I'm just looking at this now, but it does feel like strikeouts are down by me just glancing at the top starters because there's not – like usually, like, you know, in years past – there's a bunch of guys who have like insane K's and this year it just doesn't feel that way. Now it could be also the ball. Maybe it's the sticky stuff. And also it could have something to do with the ball and that hitters at have adjusted and they know that, you know, it's harder to hit a home run. So maybe they're not swinging for the fences as much. So they're not striking out. I don't know. I, it's just, that's all conjecture. I don't know. Uh, no, K's definitely are down though. I mean, we're at one eight point one six. K per nine this year. Last year we were at 8.62. So almost a half K per nine down from last yeah. year. And that's pretty much in line with the last three seasons, what we've seen data wise. So yeah, I mean, we're down about, I mean, that's a significant drop there in, in the case, Gray. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it felt that way. So yeah, it's good that the stats actually back it up. Yeah. Okay. All right, Gray, uh, before we get out of here, real quick, since we're sagging off in for our, for our listeners so that they can chase down every last potential save, anything for them out of the bullpen before we sign off? Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, Brandon Hughes, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're looking for uh, saves and you want to lose, go with Brandon <laughs> Hughes. Uh, yeah, no, so Brandon Hughes, it seems like uh, – there's, uh, you know, he's potential for saves. And also there was rumors that the Yankees might be DFAing Araldis Chapman, which would be, that would be, I mean, talk about something you would never have guessed at the beginning of the year. I mean, that would be crazy. And not that he's getting saves or not that he's even gotten saves for the last four months, but to think the Yankees would DFA Araldis Chapman. I mean, that's that would be wild. Um, you know, just such a far departure from uh, the beginning of the year. Anyway, uh, Dodgers, uh, Craig Kimbrell um, has sucked and continues to suck and has sucked for a while now. <laughs> he's 
he's been uh, pretty bad for a, a long time. It's pretty. Uh, it's actually pretty amazing that it feels sometimes like teams don't look at guys on other teams like when they're playing for other teams. Because if the Dodgers would have just taken a second and looked at Kimbrel on his last two teams, they would have been like, "Oh, he's not good." <laughs> It's not, I mean, it's not a stretch to say Kimbrell hasn't been good for a few years now, but, you know, the Dodgers went out and got him, and and they've now officially, I think, maybe not officially, but they've sort of moved on, I think. I would go with Evan Phillips if I were, uh, you know, trying to grab every last save. I think Chris Martin could potentially get a save or two. Uh you know, I was also um, – I said in uh, last week's buy-sell that, like, Rafael Montaro and um, Rocio Iglesias and uh, maybe Seth Lugo or, like, any any uh, setup guys for big-time closers, you know, with the uh, the final 10 days of the season, there's a potential where, like – you know, the uh, the good teams might want to rest their closers in the final, like, you know, maybe weekend or final five days, potentially. So I would look at, you know, it it depends on how badly you need saves, but like a guy like or uh, James uh, Karinchek over in uh, the Guardians, maybe potentially, um, you know, any any of those guys could potentially get saves, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's all fair. Um, I I don't know what's going on. I guess the Dodgers are resting Kimbrel slash seeing who is actually going to close for them when the games matter. Um, so yeah, I mean it, Evan Phillips uh, or Bruce Dark Adderall could potentially be there. Andres yeah. Munoz Andres got to save. save. I think it's still Sewell's job for the most part. But if you're just looking around, I mean that that could be a potential. You're you're not doing the uh, waiver wire. Uh, we can we can throw some waiver names out there. I mean, I don't even know yeah. if there's a waiver wire left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. But anyway, uh, uh, Brian De La Cruz, he's been hot uh, for the Marlins. So if you know if you need uh, an outfield bat. He's had, uh, I think he's he's had a couple homers in the last like week or so. I actually in uh, in one league where I really needed steals, I got uh, I went out and got Nate Eaton, who hasn't even been necessarily playing every day, but every every day he gets in the game and he does he steals a lot. I don't they've been using him as a pinch runner. I think he had like eight steals in the last month. So Nate Eaton. If you're really uh, if you're really hungry <laughs> for saves, uh, and then there's also uh, Jonathan uh, Daza, uh, but I, that's probably more of a Coors play. He was good in Coors though uh, the previous week. Um, there is also Ezekiel Tovar got called up by the Rockies uh, again. You know, it's probably better play if they're in cores, but, you know, you never know. You might catch lightning in the bottle the final week. I would go for probably a hot bat versus just a uh, hot call-up, but, you know, it, it, it depends on what you need. Oswaldo Cabrera, if your league's shallow enough where he's available, like, uh, actually, in a 15-team league, I picked up Oswaldo Cabrera off of Fab this past week. He's been really good. He looks great. Like, uh, you know, watching the Yankees because a judge, I've actually I've caught a lot of Oswaldo Cabrera, and he's looked really good. Um, and also, Connor Capel has been hot for Oakland. <laughs> and uh, that's a uh, 
definitely just a schmatato. So I don't know. Anyone you got there, um, beat on? Um, Akil Badu. Apparently, you just need to play him in September. Uh, that's when he does his work. Uh, so he's he's doing it. Uh, Ramel Tapia again. If you're just chasing some steals and you don't really care what else happens to you, uh, Levon Soto's been getting reps uh, for the for the Angels. So that's very kind of random. And he's actually been performing. So there's some guys. Uh, real quick, just some pitchers that have been performing that have at least solid matchups coming up this week. Um, Adrian Sampson, Bailey Falter, Runzi Contreras, Dean Kramer, Joey Wentz, uh, Herman Marquez, Johan Oviedo. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's what I got for everybody out there, Gray. Cool, man. Yeah, so everybody, good luck in your last 10 days. I think uh, next week we're going to be back with a Player Raider review and then... You know, we'll wrap up the season with a look forward into our top 25 for 2023 the following week. If you have any specific questions as you are getting down to these last 10 days, as always, put them in the comments. Come on, come find us on Twitter. I'm at RazBeatOn. Gray is, of course, the at RazBall account. Or go on YouTube and put them underneath the videos there in the comments. We will try and get out there and answer those so you can take home your titles. Until next time, good luck as you wrap up your season. Lates. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.